Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. We've got an interesting show for you this morning. I'm actually going to go through the process of getting interviewed again. I just got grilled by my son. And if you like putting me on the spot, you're going to love this show. So with me is uh, the illustrious Ashley LeBlanc. Hello, Ashley. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, this is going to be pretty fun because um, apparently you have some loaded questions for me. I do, I do. And today we're going to be talking about What makes a good boss? See, you just told me this like three minutes before we got into the (laughs) podcast booth, and I think I'm, I think my palms might be sweating. This is going to be great. (laughs) If you, if you don't know, Priscilla is my boss, so it's going to be a fun interview. Oh, well, I, I am nervous. And, um, I will say maybe at the beginning, we should just say a good boss maybe doesn't buy themselves a good boss mug. Uh, So let's start with, uh, let's start (laughs) with the office. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we could end on the office somehow. I don't know. We we could figure that out. But yeah, in general, just I just like to start this podcast by saying that I have not actually gone and purchased my myself the world's greatest boss. I buy a Good. lot of other mugs here. Yes, that's true. We do have yeah, a collection. Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, but none of them say that. So there we go. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to jump I, in? I'm ready. Go okay, ahead. Okay. Here we go. So I'll, we'll start with an easy one. Okay. What What's your first memory of being a leader? Yeah, that's funny how you say. Oh, here's a here's a. <laughs> if this is the softball, <laughs> we're really in trouble. Um, first memory of being a leader. Well, I would have to say when I, gosh, I'm trying to think of how old I was, maybe six. I must have, I couldn't have been more than six because I believe I was in kindergarten um, or preschool. Anyway, anyway, about five or six, we lived on the street called Valentine Street in um, in uh, Colorado. And my mom had this lovely row of tulips out in front of the house and I got it in my mind, you know what I'm going to do today? This is, sounds like a terrific idea. I'm going to go cut those tulips because people love flowers. Right. And so I'm going to go sell those around the neighborhood. I'm probably going to make some good money. <laughs> so I proceeded to go out there. And in my um, in my naive youth, I actually clipped – well, first of all, <laughs> I didn't, you know, really understand the, the idea of property ownership because those right, were not right. my tulips. They didn't belong to you. So I, I'm not saying this is a good example of leadership. I'm just saying this is my first, first. memory of leadership. Um, and I proceeded to cut the tulips off, but like about one inch from the actual flower. So like there was no – like I, I didn't know that flowers was, should be cut at the bottom and actually have a stem. I also didn't know, know this. Um, so this is an extended metaphor for how sometimes you mess up as a leader. <laughs> um, and I proceeded to take those and take them all around the neighborhood. Well, of course, much to my mom's chagrin when she came home and noticed that there was just green stems around. Oh, all over. All yeah. over. Like what happened to my tulips? And um, and she found out. And, of course, I sold them um, around the neighborhood. And I had a really good deal. This is my entrepreneur uh, leadership here is I sold them one for a nickel two for a dime. Perfect. I don't know. I obviously didn't yes. understand the There's concept. There's some marketing in there. <laughs> I know, but it was really, <laughs> see, I failed on that level also. <laughs> you think it'd be nine cents or something. No, I didn't want people to have you to mess with You just need to make change. them think they're getting a good right, deal. Exactly. Exactly. And it does. So marketer was born. <laughs> so, but it's funny. Maybe you don't think of that really as a leadership moment because it's not like I was leading people, right. but I was leading myself mm-hmm. in a new idea, in a plan in a way that I would interact in the world. And I think that 
one of the things people miss a lot about leadership is we focus on leadership as, oh, I'm leading other people. But the thing is, really, it's other people that follow, and they just choose to follow. And I can't determine whether people are going to follow me or not. Um, and I've done a lot of asking like that because I have a very small company. And when, especially when we were really a startup, um, you have to be going there yourself yeah. as a leader. I really believe in that. And so even at that time, as young as that was, I feel like that is a leadership moment because you're choosing to lead your own life in a particular way. And that through practice, then eventually – if you start doing the right things, which I was doing no right, right. things on that particular <laughs> one. Um, but um, but then eventually when you start making good leadership decisions, then people start following you. Now, I'll end that story with a funny thing is that my mom gave me quite a lesson about how those were not my tulips. Oh, I'm and sure. she did make me put all of that money in the offering at church <laughs> the next Sunday. <laughs> That's pretty perfect. Oh, Moms yeah. always have to come through at the end. They do. They do. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that leads us right into our next one. Um, in in that story, you were confident in yourself. Mm-hmm. These characteristics started coming out when you were a child. But what char- characteristics do you think it takes to be a good leader or a good boss? Well, there's some there's some ones that might be considered valuable or or esteemed in our society. And then there's some that don't play so well, (laughs) you know, being confident in yourself um, and also being a risk taker Mm -hmm. um, has its pros and its cons. And then you put on top of that, you know, the confidence and as a woman leading. And, you know, of course, I'm going to lose three men right now that are listening. And that's, you know, sorry, I love you. But if you need to leave, that's fine. (laughs) But the reality is, is that a lot of times when women lead in the ways that Mm -hmm. have been very much triumph for men, we really start getting called names behind our back. And I experience a lot of that. So what your question about what does it really take to be a leader um, obviously, it takes that kind of confidence. Right. It also takes having a vision. Like, what do you? What do you, you can't just like set out and just that's a big lead, part of it. Lead to where? Yeah. <laughs> what could this look like? And um, at the root of that, then I feel like the biggest thing that drives me as a leader is that I really am trying to carve out my own life. Mm-hmm. I have certain things that I'm trying to make happen. And they're very clear to me in my own heart or in my own mind. And the trick is trying to communicate that to people. But the the value, what do you say, characteristics? Yeah, character. characteristics. So that confidence is there, um, you know, having, having the vision. Um, and I think also there's a little bit, you have to have a, a, the character to be able to fail hmm. and to be able to maybe not take yourself quite so seriously. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I, you know, we have a serious business here. Right. And we take our work seriously. We certainly take our clients seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously all that often. Hmm. And I think that's really important. I think the times I've gotten in trouble as a leader has been the times when I have taken myself too seriously. Hmm. And then I've gotten myself in a position where really there's just too much ego going on, too much too much pride in a negative way it starts the scales start you know sure. teetering the other way and you've got to you've got to bring it back to some kind of um uh a, a balance between me myself this vision this thing that I want and how we can all be together right. in that so a characteristic might be kind of understanding how to balance 
um, how to balance your really big drive as a leader. And I, I really have a lot of drive and I have a lot of energy. Yeah. But how to balance that so that other people can come along. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the way that I feel I naturally can be is to bulldoze away. And that's not always the best way. So maybe a characteristic is to not take yourself quite so seriously, kind of see see the the people around you who need to, you know, take you there. And then you can actually right. walk forward a yeah. little bit more. No, that's great. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what would you say your biggest management mistake has been? Oh, my gosh. See, you haven't been here long enough to see my <laughs> many management mistakes. <laughs> um, I, it is really along those those uh, those lines when I take myself too seriously um, and when I get out of whack without really appreciating, mm-hmm. you know, the people around me. You are helping us put on a massive party this summer, you and Emma are leading this um, this cool party. We don't want to go on to the next stage of this business without having a gratitude party. Right. And so I expressed that to everybody. Hey, we're going to thank our vendors, thank our clients, can thank our employees, you know. And really, this just needs to be a fun party. And I, if people come, great. If people don't, you know, you kind of right. keep asking me things like, well, what about this? I'm like, don't worry about people coming. Just make it a party you all the employees want to come to. And then, you know, if everybody else comes, that's great. But you know, we're going to do it the way that we know it needs to be done and not worry about whether people are coming or not. But we want every one of our clients will receive a real, you know, letter thanking them. They've been a major part, you know, of this company. And so I think when I lose track of gratitude, that's when I start making some real mistakes. And it, and it, I think that's being able to be more vulnerable, you know, even with employees, uh, you know, just two weeks ago, I had to ask an employee <laughs> to say, I'm sorry, <laughs> and apologize for something. Yeah. But it's it's that it, when, when you get that idea of gratitude out of whack, then things in your leadership, in my opinion, start going out of whack. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Okay, on the other side of that, mm-hmm. what do you think your biggest accomplishment has been? Well, we've made payroll every other Friday. There we go. <laughs> there it is. Um, you know, I remember when we hit, when we went past our first million, and I remember that being such an amazing moment, right. you know, for me to say, oh, my gosh, over a million in revenue was just, it was it was crazy. So for me, and everybody has a touch note, and of course, you know, someone who has a, you know, a $180 million business may not, you know, obviously it's kind of like, huh, what? Or, <laughs> But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anybody else's standard, you know, measurement, or you can have an amazing, successful business. I know a lot of, you know, business owners that we help, you know, and over the years have talked to who have, you know, $100,000 business, incredibly successful. And um, so that's not that's not a measurement that I care mm-hmm. about in that sense. But I just remember it being a moment where it forced me to look at it and be like, oh, 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 my gosh, what did we just do? Yeah. Like, you know, stop and, and celebrate. Yeah. And- yeah. So it was a thing to it was a thing to observe. It was a thing to hold on to a thing to, you know, just kind of just take a deep breath and go, wow. This this is something, as Letterman says. Is this something? That's great. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Other accomplishments, I, uh, you know, I think this culture to me is a real accomplishment. It is what I set out to do, yeah. and it is a, has a life of its own. I don't dictate the culture here. I set it in motion, but I don't dictate everything that happens mm-hmm. in it. And to me, that is what I was going for. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to be the the um, I want to be the steward of the culture in, you know, constantly making the environment ripe for someone else to right. make it their thing. 
but the employees just bring in their own juice and own ideas. And to me, that sense that they can own their day-to-day because, as you know, there's the creative pit, and then I'm in my office, my glass door office, and and I'm on my own. And, you know, and it's important that I'm not the person dictating the world you live in. Mm -hmm. That's the the soup you're swimming in all day long. You should be able to create, you know, the flavor of that soup and, you know, everybody getting, you know, the work the work done. The other accomplishment that comes to mind for me is this sense that's underlying in our culture. Hmm. And I talk about it a lot, which is work your work job, not your worth job. Right. And as creatives, it is so easy to put your self-worth in that piece of art, in that creative thing, in that social media piece, in that you know, in the party, you right. know, as you're making the parties, like, I'm not going to come back. And if people don't come be like, Ashley, what did you do? You know, worst. here are the words. Yeah. <laughs> That's never going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> That's not going to come out of my mouth. So we talk a lot about working our work job and not working our worth job, meaning please do the best that you can. Push yourselves, put yourself out on that. But at the end of the day, that is not what dictates your value. Right. That you walked in here in the morning, you were a 10 in the value as a human being, and you will walk out these doors at the end of the night a 10 as a value as a human being. Now, while we're here, you might have a role failure, and I have no problem calling a spade a spade. Um, You and I are much more close um, in personality than anybody else here, and so you and I have no problem calling a spade a spade. Sure. Um, and I also, and, and I try to, you know, make an environment where I call a spade a spade in a way that people can handle. <laughs> um, and that's just being really honest about my own, you know, personality. But to me, none of those things are value statements. You can have mm-hmm. an abject role failure. And I've had many people here have just, I mean, it just fell apart, whatever it was. And I have had absolute role failures mm-hmm. many times over. And I want to be able to walk out of here at night and not have my humanity at question. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's my so worth, you know, that's my so worth important. as a person. So I can fail. Other people can fail. And then on top of that, it is really, this is doubly important when you have a creative company. Hmm. Because it is a lot easier, in my opinion, to have an engineer. It's a yes, no. Does this rocket work? Right. <laughs> you know? But when it's subjective and the client, you put your work out there and you do this amazing art and the client goes, eh. Yeah. I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Not so much. Can you do mine but in blue? You know, yeah. <laughs> this, that's really hard on people because that's other people's opinion. Mm. Whereas if the rocket works or doesn't, that's nobody's opinion. Right. It's just truth. Right. So I think there are a lot of careers out there that, while I think it's important that you don't put your worth as a human being on the line, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, people in Wall Street, you know, jumping off buildings and things like that. Obviously, their worth was somehow <laughs> connected in that work every day. But I think it is doubly important when you are trying to um, really birth a creative idea right. to remind people. You know, I hear people in business all the time saying, oh, you're only as good as your last whatever. And I just think that is such a lie. No, yeah. you're. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I do not want to be measured based on that. I want to be measured by the way I came in. You know, just my, the value of who I am as a person. And then the we get judged based on whether people come back and whether people pay, and whether we can raise our prices. Now that is a a, a value statement of our work. I have no problem valuing our right. work. But our self-worth is not tied into it. Yeah, that's so good. And I think that's a hard thing that a lot of creatives 
come to realize too late, mm-hmm. especially if, if their boss is – if that's not something that they believe and something they instill in the company. Right. It could be really hard. Right. Well, also, there's a lot of freelancers around us. Yeah. And I see true. them struggle with it because they're on their own. Right. And they – a lot of them are incredibly creative. Mm. And so they've gone out on their own only to find – oh my gosh, freelancing actually sucks. Yeah. You know, because they don't like the business side or they don't, they have a hard time taking the criticism Mm -hmm. from a client, but they're the only one to take it. Right. Whereas here, my creatives can work and I hear the criticism. Right. And some of it I pass on and some of it, if it's a direct, you know, kind of, you know, hey, we have to fix this. But I get to be a buffer of that criticism. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's I think that's different. So I think to that end, I know there's a lot of freelancers who listen and I just want, you know, to say to them that I feel that pain and I and that's not because you're not doing a good job. That's because that's the nature of this business. Right. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about getting to know your employees. I think something really <laughs> special about this environment, this mm-hmm. culture that that we've created is that um, we're pretty close, I would mm-hmm. say. I mean, I've only been here a couple months, but I feel like I've grown closer with mm-hmm. um, you and the employees here than I have in a lot of previous other jobs, mm-hmm. which is really cool. But I think as a boss, you take the time to know your employees. We do a special test here that I'll <laughs> let you talk about that really um, lets us dial into our personalities mm-hmm. and how we interact with each other. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. And that's so funny. You know, I, if you kind of come back to one of the first questions of what was one of my biggest successes, right. the fact that you just said we in that whole statement, that to me is a success. Like, oh, I got her to believe that she's created <laughs> that out there because she did. Yeah. You know, that sense of ownership is, th- th- those are the small things that actually make this company what it needs to be, in my opinion. And since it's my <laughs> company, I and get to decide. <laughs> but yeah, so we do the DISC, which there's so many personality tests and different kinds of, um, you know, uh, uh tools to use. We use the Colby. We, we use a lot of different right. ones here. But the DISC is what we do right at the very beginning mm-hmm. when everybody's in. And it's every time a new employee comes in, not only does the new employee read through their you know profile and say it out loud to everybody. And even though it was probably, I'd like to hear a little bit of your perspective, how hard yeah. that was, um, you know, just talking so candidly about yourself. Because you a- answer these bizarre questions. You're right. like, how could they? What does this relate? <laughs> how does this relate to my personality or my work environment? But... Exactly. And then it comes back and you are like, I seriously, when the first time I read the disc, I was like, um, is somebody watching me? It's pretty scary. <laughs> I felt the exact same way. Yeah, it's frightening. And some things are are really cool and really like they give you the words to express the thing you've been trying to tell someone about yourself for a long time. And then there's some things that are like looking at the mirror and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is, I don't know if I like that yeah. so much, you know. But I self-awareness is at the root of this culture here. Yeah. Just as long as you are aware of the way that you show up. The way that your presence affects everyone mm-hmm. else, um, then we have something to right. keep going on. And that's, you know, kind of coming back to, to the other question about what are some of your biggest fa- failures. Almost every single one of my failures have been when I have not been aware of what my presence is doing. That's good. And because I am high energy, it is something I always have to keep check on because I can come in and 
you know, be, you know, what is that? I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Miley Cyrus. There we go. Okay. Well, we have we have successfully <laughs> quoted my, Miley Cyrus on this um, from the office to Miley Cyrus. We We're go. doing all right. Yeah. We're doing all right. If we just throw in like a spinal tap reference, I feel like we'll good. be done. But um, that disc uh, is really helpful because it, more than anything, it the underlying notion is what I call the platinum rule. If the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, I don't think that's a great maxim. And I'm sorry, Jesus and the Bible and everything. <laughs> I'm big believer, big fan of your work. Um, but what I think is more important in this environment is what I refer to as the platinum rule or as my friend Jared calls the analogous break. Mm. It means give something to someone else that they want given to them. Like, so for me, you know, like just say, for example, I want, uh, what's something? I, I I always wanted an auto harp. So my friend Dan, our, um, the podcast producer uh, and my partner in podcast crime, um, he gave me an auto harp. But if I had given him an auto harp, that's right. doing to others what you would have them do to you. He'd right. be like, why do I want cool. this stupid artist yeah. <laughs> auto harp? Throw it in the trash, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And uh, so I don't want people to give me what... I would give them. I want people to give me what I most want. Hmm. And so, for example, you and I like direct talks. We like conflict. We like saying it the way it is. We like getting it done, having the, 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 you know, the, the truth laid out. Um, and then, and and we, we have obviously slight differences, you know, in that too, just like this isn't like polar opposites. We're all on some interesting spectrum. Right. But no one else at this company besides you and I like that. That's not their natural, comfortable zone. So you and I need to be able to, when we talk to each other, we get to be like, bam, 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 bam. Okay, These are the things. Yeah, bye. (laughs) And we're like, wow, she gets me. (laughs) You know, but to do that to someone else here without having some self-awareness and other awareness that is respectful would really undermine the culture that we have. And so I want to know where people are on this spectrum about, you know, I really like, we have a lot of people here who are C types, which who like facts. Hmm. They really want to know the facts. They want to get everything lined out. They want to do, and you know what? I need those people. Right. I cannot run that this company without those people. And so to try to push them into my way of, no, let's just be direct. I just can't stand it, you know. Well, they, there's things about me they can't stand either, <laughs> you know. And so knowing that when I'm walking up to someone else's desk, you know, who's a C, Ryan's a C. And, uh, you know, he's he and I have a lot of deep conversations because he's the only other manager here. And so we have a lot of very difficult discussions about the vision of this company. And we are the two on the opposite side of the DISC report. Hmm. So I'm a high I. Um, which is an influencer, right. uh, instigator, a catalyst, a high energy. I'm also a, a very high, what we call quick start, which mm-hmm. is on the Colby scale. So I thought about an idea about three minutes ago, and I am implementing it right, right now. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, whereas he thought about an idea three minutes ago, and he'll be getting around to creating that spreadsheet, and not because he's in any way lazy. He's going to think through how to best create that spreadsheet to plan for it. So six months from now, we have a really clear game plan and marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, plan where we can execute it step by step. 
Right. I'm sorry, why would I want to crush that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And if I'm not careful, I will take my personality and my comfort zone and I will crush someone else's comfort zone, which actually then robs our company Mm -hmm. of that depth and that, you know, and, and, you know, there are a lot of people here that are C's. We have S's and C's, you know, Mm -hmm. besides you and I. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Here we are. Here we are. (laughs) But you know, you notice that you and I are the two like sitting here just, come on, get it done. Let's let's answer these questions. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not in any way that they're not diligent. They're amazingly diligent, but they would not have on the fly been like, let's just do that podcast. And that would make them nervous. Why should I do that to them? Whereas you and I were like, sure, let's just do this podcast. This will be interesting. This is what our, you know, our listeners write in and say they want to hear more of. Okay, let's just do it. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start wrapping this up. Um, quick, A quick one. What fictional boss would you be? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. Can you throw out something? <laughs> Maybe I should ask you. We already you. said not Michael from The Office. Oh, no, my gosh. The guy <laughs> drives me crazy. And not the British office either. No, oh, my okay. gosh. So both of those are out. Oh, okay. You know what? Which one I admire the most? Have you ever watched the show Better Off Ted? I haven't. Oh, my gosh. She, uh, Portia, um, oh, I don't know what her last name is. It's Ellen's wife. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember that actress. She plays the most hilarious boss on Better Off Ted. But And so I I don't think I'm necessarily most like her, but me unchecked is that gal. That's amazing. I look at her. I'm like, yes, if only I could show up like that. (laughs) (laughs) But she is like. Totally, but like she actually almost doesn't have emotions, oh. or which this is not really you know close to me. I'm maybe maybe a little bit you know uh, too emotional, but um, she makes the funniest like direct statements that I'm serious. I am like crying, oh, but then there it's like a tech company, and yeah. then things fail wildly, you know. But then every time you turn around, it's like she's asking, you know. So they were trying to grow pumpkins from cells or whatever, you know. So it's all this kind of crazy, you know, what if kind of thing. And they're creating, and then it doesn't work. So they have all these pumpkins. What are they going to do with it? And she's like, "Can we weaponize them?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" It's almost like she kind of slightly toward an evil genius, you yeah. know, or whatever. But but has those crazy ideas. Yeah, crazy like, ideas. Let's, let's, let's run with it. So there's there are things about her that I totally identify with, and then there's you know just a lack of you know. A, a lack of, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, connection to her employees right. that I'm just like, oh, that is funny. That is totally funny. That's so, so good. Yeah. Okay. And then what are uh, – so two pieces of advice here. Okay. W- one piece of advice for the bosses that are mm-hmm. listening and then one piece of advice for employees that are listening. Okay. Well, one of the things I've even had recently are some employees talk about to me I, and that they appreciate that I do is that I have made it a point from the very beginning of my company to never throw an employee under the bus. Hmm. And what that means is sometimes they do things wrong, right? But my role is to take the lump for it. Now, internally, we'll talk about it. We'll get clear about who did what, um, not because we're going to, you know, attack their worth, but because we need to get to the bottom of it. What happened here? What was the system failure? We talk a lot about don't put pressure on people, put pressure on systems, um, so we only have system failures. We don't have people, you know, you did not fail as a person today. You can never fail as a person. You will always leave as a person. Yeah. But this um, this idea of not throwing an employee under the bus, we have a transparent project management mm-hmm. system. So there's a lot of transparency already. So right. I wouldn't say that this would work in an environment where people aren't already owning up to their sure. stuff. But this is such a responsible group. 
like over the top. I don't think that people who work here notice mm-hmm. or, or really know that because sure. some of them, this has been one of their first jobs. Um, but this is a very highly personal responsible, high personal responsibility mm-hmm. environment, yeah. right? Feet to the fire all the time. I feel like that's enough. So when employee, when a when a client doesn't like something that got done or something didn't get done all right or what, I never, ever have said to a client, well, you know, Ashley didn't get that done or Leighton didn't get yeah. that done or Ryan didn't. I never say that. I never tell them what's going on inside mm-hmm. in that sense because, it, first of all, why do they care? They right. don't. They This is – I'm thinking about them. They want their things done. They mm-hmm. want it done right. They're paying us money, right? So it's an irrelevant conversation there. Right. But a lot of times because it makes you uncomfortable or you want you want to place the blame. Right. You don't um, want to be blamed yourself, so. Right. But at the end – but to me, you just walk away from the blame game, you know? And so it's just like we didn't get that done. Hey, I'm really sorry, you know, this or this was – and when it has been a lack of communication on my part – that failed to get it done. I will say that. I'll tell them what part I had in it. But if it, there's another employee who was involved or dropped the ball or whatever, I never will say that. And I always stand up for my employees in front of the client. And, and people would say, oh, that's, you're so nice to your employees. No, I'm really being nice to myself, too. Yeah. And I'm really being nice to my client because, number one, they don't care. They don't want to hear that stuff. And number two, I'm being nice to myself because why would I put out there to a client that I don't trust my employees? Right. Because that's not, first of all, that's not true. And number two, that's all that message is going to send. So I'm hurting myself in the long mm-hmm. run, too. But also, it, you know, people also are aware here yeah. when they failed. And I don't need to rub it in their face. And I don't need a client to then not trust them on the next project. Right. Because it, we, I, I believe and I trust this environment that we'll figure that out and we won't have that same failure again. So there's really no point. So I talk about that a lot. It's like I can never throw, you know, people under the bus. Yeah, um, and who knows? They might go on to work somewhere else and they don't – people, you know, <laughs> you know, don't need to have those other opinions of people that are really unfair because it's one thing out of a million things they right. did right yeah. here. So, yeah, that would be my uh, advice to bosses. Be Like listen to the way you speak in front of your clients when your employees are not there. It does matter. It does matter. It matters about the it, – it, it puts out a, um, a rapport. It shows that you have rapport with your employees. It shows that you trust them. Um, and it shows that you take ownership because things don't always go right. Right. You know what? They own businesses too. And yeah. they understand that. And when I have just been honest with, with clients and just said, look, this did not work. This is why I believe what would you like me to do? Here are three options. Any of these sound good to you? And just been really honest like that. That's what we end up talking about. We end up talking about fixing the problem, not talking about, you know, oh, how dumb my employees are or right. something like Which that. Which is what they want anyway. They want the exactly. problem fixed. They exactly. want the solution. They don't want to mm-hmm. hear all the behind the scenes yeah. stuff. So I would say listen to the way you talk about your employees when they're not there. It'll tell you a lot about your yeah. environment. That's yeah. good. Advice to employees. I, I give a lot of opportunities to lead. And sometimes also I leave voids. Um, specific, like very strategic voids Mm -hmm. to see who might step into it. Because the moment I tell someone step into that, that's me managing them. But the moment there's an opportunity and I don't say it, that's leading. And I guess I would say to employees, maybe you should show up to your job the next day thinking, you know, am I being managed or am I being, am am I leading? Hmm. Because I think there are a lot of employers out there who would 
let you take the reins and go with it. And I'm sure there are a lot who won't. So, you know, maybe you should change jobs. <laughs> but I, I do that on a regular basis. Right. And I, and it's hard for me to yeah. sit quietly back and wait to see what people do. Right. It is hard, but it's gotten a lot easier over the years because I have made that a practice. Mm. And I have had amazing leaders, you know, yeah. come through here because I've given them the opportunity, but I'm not going to tell them. That the, yeah. the, it's kind of like jazz. If I have to explain it to you, right. there's no point. Right. So, you know, I, I don't – maybe you could show up to work asking yourself that question. Am I being managed or am I leading? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Okay. This was fun. Yeah, let's do this again. Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay. My, my, my palms are still sweating. <laughs> but... It is pretty hot in here, okay. though. So. Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. We said we'd end with office, though. What's oh. one of your favorite office moments? Oh, I have so many. You um, do? <laughs> okay. My all-time – I have two all-time favorite, favorite office moments. One is um, Prison Mike, the Prison Mike sketch where um, – Michael is pretending that he has been to prison before. So oh. one of the characters he develops is Prison Mike. And he obviously knows nothing about right, prison. Right. Um, that one and then— Is that the one where he goes down to see Daryl in the warehouse and ask him how they might talk? Yes. Is that that one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one. And Daryl totally is like, yeah, and then we hug. Yeah. He totally tells him, like— Yeah, he gives them all the wrong, all the wrong information. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. That one and then um, there's an episode, there's an opener where he tries to parallel park and he just can't do it. And the, and the spot is huge. And being from L.A., there's uh-huh. – people have to – you have to park in all these crazy spots right. all the time. Uh-huh. So when he can't do it, I just find it hilarious. It's like he has plenty of room. He's like, okay. I'll find another spot. Yeah. Um, my favorite is when he burns his foot on the George, George Foreman grill. grill. <laughs> <laughs> he can't come into the office. That's pretty good. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to being on a trip with you. We're going to go out to yes. Denver and do some training and all kinds of cool speaking and, and working with uh, two different clients, and it's going to be fun. It's so, going to be great. Yeah, to, to uh, a D and an I on a trip. Let's we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. You know what we'd really love? If you liked this episode, please go out and give us a great review on iTunes. That is how other people discover uh, this show. And if you'd like something to be covered in the show, just email us us at uh, info at littlebirdmarketing.com and we will bring it up. We've had a lot of great questions from listeners over the years. Uh, we are nearing the 100th We're episode. Really close. So close, so close. Um, and so we'd love to talk about what you want to hear about. So until then, happy marketing and have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.